strapped in the trenches Making moves going all out Every day handle business You know that the hustle don't stop Got my team, let's get it Reviewing books and talk stocks Steady keep it moving So you gon' wanna tune in Get Lowdown, it's an app Get local food on demand Delivery right to your home Everything in the palm of your hand Took hard work and dedication Come through, join the conversation This is history up in the making We just wanna be an inspiration Hey, let's go Welcome to another episode of Bootstrapped in the Trenches. Sorry about the technical difficulties last week, folks. Corey, hell of a job with Quiz Game Quizmaster Sean there holding down the fort. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, I, I know our the guest that was supposed to come on last week was not too pleased with the last second cancellation. And again, sorry for that. But Dan and I couldn't get on the internet, so didn't want to have a guest on without, you know, questions laid out. Corey, I don't even think I had sent them to you. So we'll see if we can get him back on. But today we've got a very special guest in one of our markets. He's actually got offices in Las Cruces where Lodell operates and El Paso. Uh, Anthony Dorman, no relation oh, wow. to Jeff Dorman, different spelling completely. D-O-H-R-M-A-N-N. He is the CEO and founder of Electronic Caregiver. Guys, I'm very excited to have him on. He invented service products in healthcare security and business development and infrastructure as a service is his old jam. He is basically currently working on, for chronic illnesses, interactive healthcare. So my guess is this has something to do with the future of technology and helping aid people that are really in pain and just that have ongoing really bad illnesses make the world a better place for them. So I'm really curious to hear what they have brewing in the pot. I know we've had some innovators on this show and it's always fascinating when we have somebody on that's in a niche that none of us really has any relatability to because nothing like learning some new things. I think that's part of what, why we wanted to get this podcast started. And I know Corey and I, Dan, actually dropped off free food when we were out for Lodell and Las Cruces to Electronic Caregiver. They have a yeah. massive office there. So I'm pumped that we're actually having Anthony on today. Yeah, it's but. funny. We've done like so many drop-offs, but I particularly remember just doing that one because it was, you know, big in regards to Las Cruces. And uh, yeah, just going to office to office there. So appreciative. Um, yeah. So is this is it is it like a hospice care with technology almost better equipped? So their technology reaches out to the user and captivates them rather than the user needing to reach out to the technology. Supposedly through innovative cutting edge interfaces, uh, it educates the user, rewards them, and deploys a multitude of protocols to monitor health conditions. My guess is this is a way to interact with people without being at the actual doctor or medical office. Yeah. Okay, and I got it. Yeah, and I'm very curious here because I, I keep going back to the whole notion of gamifying bettering people. I think we're heading, you guys know I've been big on that coming to fruition in the world where we're going to see a lot of startups revolving around people just being better humans, taking better care of themselves. Um, you know, even when you look at addiction and where we're seeing the psychedelic movement heading with mental health, I think you're going to see a lot around that where people are rewarded to be healthy and to yeah, not like partake in toxic things. Yeah, like that, almost like that uh, cryptocurrency app. I forget what it's called, but basically, the more you work out, you actually get rewarded with 
you know, Bitcoin, not Bitcoin, Sweatcoin, but their own. Sweatcoin. Sweatcoin, yeah, exactly. Sorry, I actually, I spoke to the founder of Sweatcoin during the heart of the pandemic, Paul Gagliotti, shout out to him, connected me to him. Very fascinating guy. He's from Russia. He lives in London right now. And I was, I was on the phone with him for two hours. We'll definitely get him on the podcast because I love what he's up to. But yeah, same here. People into what you just said with the gamification, with rewarding people for good behavior and stuff like that by rewarding people who take the vaccine. That'll be well, like, that's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, a great it's, point. it's funny you guys say that because D Murthy, who's we're talking to, is the founder of Young and Reckless and and the food co- food. Uh, sorry, the uh, clothing service Menlo Club and Five Four. Basically, his podcast is called the the group chat, and uh, he was saying that they should just offer every person fifteen hundred dollars to get vaccinated, and that will instantly get that seventy percent threshold. They probably They probably will. Yeah. Well, you know, that, so? and guys, that, yeah. that's the beginning. When you think about that can of worms being opened, I think that'll be the beginning of companies utilizing that as a marketing tool where it's like, oh, let's utilize part of our marketing dollars to reward prospective customers to do things. And you guys know I've been big on that with creating content, like help a reporter out. I think Twitter, we've done, we've talked about that offline a bit, Corey, the notion of people creating real news and being rewarded to do so. I think that Citizen app is yeah. has done a lot of great work with that. So this vaccine <laughs> opens up the floodgates. If we see that happening, I, I'm going to be very bullish on the future of gamification for bettering things, whether it's a person, a movement, whatever it might be. I've always thought that back in the day, we used to joke around, reward people for getting good grades, they're studying more. If you were giving kids cash, or free Big Macs, or I'll, I'll never forget, I had a second grade teacher that gave away stars for participation with raising your hand each day. You'd be able yeah. to trade them in for free Big Macs and Egg McMuffins. I was my, participating every day. And my sister still does that with her kids now. She, you know, at, at home, she just gives them stars for just behaving. And then if you get enough stars, she gets you a present. Everyone's <laughs> rewarded like, that way. It's yeah, we're all wired that way. Humans love games. We're all yeah, competitive yeah. by nature. That's why we're on Earth or another sperm would have beaten us to the punch. So when you look at every human being on Earth, we're all competitive. Even the least competitive person here is extremely competitive. Definitely. Definitely. To put a different spin on it, I know we've talked about this before, Mike, and you're big on Apple getting into healthcare, but you could totally picture a day where with with a mixture of Apple getting into healthcare and also their wearables, we're basically, you know, you're basically paying what you pay in insurance based on what you're putting into your body. And if you want a low rate on insurance, they're going to have products that most likely monitor exactly what it is you're eating and what nutrition levels you lack yeah. and which ones you're taking in too much. And it wouldn't be that far out of whack to think that one day, you know, people will be tracked in that kind of way and they'll be incentivized by it with money, you know? hundred percent. Yeah. I, no I keep seeing it. the same, the same ad on Instagram over and over it's, and I don't know how this company goes about it, but basically if you could do a hundred pushups, then you pay less for the, your health insurance. It's like a startup health insurance company. And if you can mm. hit certain thresholds, one being a hundred pushups a day, then you pay significantly less than someone who can't. I love that. Move my health insurance over to them. I don't. Yeah. Well, yeah, I love the idea of being able to live stream yourself to do things to better yourself. And it's like, oh, look what I I didn't have any sugar tonight or today. 
And, you know, certain even weight loss programs. When I think of a Jenny Craig, I want to hit up their execs and be like, listen, I have a great startup app for you. I'm not going to say it on air here. They might steal it. But all jokes aside with that, when you think about what's going to reward someone to cut 100 pounds, well, if you throw a, some money at the end of that string, you know, everyone has different motivations. But I always think diets or any type of change in behavior, it's very simple. You have to entice somebody to actually will their way there where they're like, oh, this is dope. I will do this now. And I'll, the, the first step, as we know with anything, is the most challenging. So yeah. I'm curious. I think that we got something brewing with that. I'd love us to figure out something in that and, realm. And that's why we rolled out Lodell Rewards. There we go. Just, so yeah. Order and earn. Rewarding and people that use our app and website to, you know, instead of the big competitors. Because, you know, hey, everyone, we're, we're here. We're the, we like to put a face behind the robots. We're in a very robotic space. I keep thinking like if we were to try, uh, obviously we could talk about this off air, but instead of doing like all these free delivery coupons and all these different coupons, if we were just like starting January 5th or whatever, you order, every time you order, you enter to win a MacBook Air. And at the end of the month, we literally just raffle off one MacBook Air, every single market's included. And, you know, the more times you order, the more you're incentivized to actually win. You, you think know, something will actually order more like with that? I feel like if that was an opportunity where I'm getting the same service in this, like for Bloomington, there's five different competitors. I'm getting the exact same service, but that's the added benefit. I'd rather, as long as my experiences are good, I'd rather order from there. I think yeah. if they see, I'm with you, Corey, as long as they're seeing that someone actually winning that ongoing where they're like, oh, I know the guy that won the MacBook Air in September. In exactly. Bloomington. So that's that, all that, that, was my, that was my next point. That person, whoever wins, one, is going to be so loyal to using our service. And so are probably all of his friends. He's going to shout it out on social. He's going to tell his friends and people will be pumped. For so, sure. Yeah, yeah, just something to keep think thinking about. about. What uh, we got Quizmaster Sean coming on here in a minute. Do you guys have anything current events or food for thought you wanted to touch on first? DoorDash is going public tomorrow. Our competitor, mm. an Airbnb. About damn time. Thursday. That's kind of cool stuff. I know everyone in the world is pretty tuned into those two companies. So. I've been waiting for DoorDash to IPO now for like a decade before they even were a thing. Like how it's about guys, time. How do you guys think that'll go for them? I, I, I think, think it's going to be. I think they'll do it. Not. I think long-term yeah. it's great. I think they're going to run into exactly. a wall with a, an overvaluation with where they're going to go public. I, I don't over, see that yeah. I think overvaluation with the food industry itself, I think they'll eventually be able to take this a million other routes, um, whether it be grocery delivery or you know just on-demand delivery in general. And I think their stock will eventually crush it. But I, I think they're overvalued at the moment. Me too. I love Airbnb. I will be buying them on the IPO. Like I'm going to be one of the, I'm going to try to be the first one out of the gates owning that bad boy. I've used that company, I think more than anyone on the planet since they went public. I'm, I mean, same, not public since they were around. Same here. But my last few experiences, I've just been so turned off by the service fees because, you know, I know obviously we have a service fees in our business, but they're minimal. When you're talking about staying like 10 nights in a Airbnb, it's starting to come out to more than an actual hotel. I, and Corey, I think they're going to, that's, I'm starting to see no, like I was looking at places in Vegas, they're getting rid of these fees. Now I think you're going to see a shift there after they're public. I think part of that was just to juice up their revenues, to be honest. They've yeah, taken that I mean, to another level, but yeah. Uh, yeah, guys, let's get uh Quizmaster Sean going here. There he is, the king. Hello and welcome to America's favorite podcast game show. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hanging in there. Brought to you by Lodell.com. There it is in the corner. Welcome to Win Mike Rollins Lunch. How's everyone doing this week? Doing well. Good. Sorry we missed you there last week, Sean. A bit of internet issues. I was ready to just dominate and let Corey just crush it on his own. Oh, well, well, Sean actually wasn't here last week. It's true. I had my cousin fill in for me. A little round of applause for Cowboy Sean. He did a smash up job on the. Oh, uh, I thought that was your identical twin. I didn't realize you were cousins. Gosh, the Twitter account's blowing up. They want to know if you're drunk today. I, it's a it's a Monday, isn't it? So, <laughs> yes. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm excited to be back here. Uh, last week we did our premiere episode of Corey and the Conj. It went great, and now we're doing Wayne Mike Rollins lunch again. Oh How yeah! I mean, I'm expecting to stay on the winning streak here, Conj. I kind of look at myself as the Bill Belichick of food facts. So it's rare. Like he beat the rookie quarterback yesterday to oblivion. I'm expected to do the same thing again with these guys. Well, wow. it's win Mike yeah. Rollins lunch for yeah. a reason because he crushes it. <laughs> How do you feel about that, Dan? I feel like I'm going to steal Mike Rollins lunch on this show. Yeah, right. Well, let's find out because one of you is eating something crazy. And today our categories are <laughs> plant-free vegans, the fast and the furiously going to the bathroom. I've got the nuts. Eat this. H2O, yeah. <laughs> and Amazon Prime ribs. Wow. Now I'm feeling some barbecue, Conch. Oh, so first up, well, uh, we're going to go with Dan. Why not? <laughs> there we go. This oh, young man, man here. On the spot there. I'm going to need you to repeat that. I had an urgent thing pop up on my He, did, he didn't ask you a question yet. No, okay. the categories. <laughs> That's what I mean, the categories. Dan was pulling a Jeffrey Tube in there, if you get that reference. The categories are plant-free vegans, the fast and the furiously going to the bathroom, I've got the nuts, eat this, H2O, yeah, and Amazon Prime ribs. H2O, yeah. H2O, yeah. Which food uses the most water to produce per pound? Is it beef, chocolate, broccoli, or almonds? Giving Dan a layup like this right out of the gate, Scotch? We'll find out. Didn't you ask this one two weeks ago? Isn't it beef? I, well, if I did ask it two weeks ago, it's a layup. Is that your final answer? Oh, man. Yes. And that is wrong. I didn't oh. ask it two weeks ago. The correct I, knew I, I knew I would trap Dan there with the Beyond Meat thing by saying that early. Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, I'm confused. What was I thinking of? Something with meat and water that was brought up on this show. Um, probably something about meat alternatives, but, you know, I like to keep you guessing. The oh, correct man. answer is chocolate at over yes. 2,000 gallons per pound. Beef oh, only, yeah. only uses 1,800. Okay. Now I feel a little bit better because that was not my second guess. But looking back, that was a layup. Because obviously Whoa. if you're throwing chocolate in as an answer for a product that uses a lot of water, it just feels like it's going to be chocolate. What was your second guess out of curiosity there? Broccoli. Oh, you couldn't be more wrong. It only uses 30 <laughs> gallons of water per pound. One of the most water efficient <laughs> foods on the planet. Oh, that's got to hurt. 
Dan coming out of the gate at uh, zero correct. Corey, last week's champion by default. Yeah. How are we feeling today, Corey? I'm good. I uh, went two for three last week. I'm ready for this one. Oh. That's right. Cowboy Conj was deeply impressed with her knowledge of food categories. <laughs> I'm going to go with Amazon Prime. Ooh, Amazon ribs. Prime ribs. <sighs> by dollar amount. Calm down, everybody. Thank you. By dollar amount, the U.S. is the largest food exporter in the world at $75 billion a year. What country is the second largest food exporter? Is it China, Brazil, Mexico, or Germany? Man, I feel like this China is too obvious to be an answer. Um, <laughs> shit. <laughs> I'm going to go with Germany. Germany, surprise correct oh. answer. That was a tough one. Oh. At $34 billion a year, it sells beets, milk, wheat, and potatoes. I was going to go with Russia. Oh, Russia. Dan, getting another one wrong. <laughs> that, wasn't one of the, that wasn't one of the choices. <laughs> well, you're off to a great start. Dan, down in the hole already. Mike, are you going to defend your lunch today? Is that even a question, Conch? Come on. I, you know, I place my bets with my bookie, and I, I don't even need to tell you who I bet on. Your categories are plant-free vegans, the fast and the furiously going to the bathroom, I've got the nuts, and eat this. I'm fast and furiously going to the bathroom. Oh, everyone <laughs> knew you were doing that one. Everyone's excited. We have got which fast food chain has the most locations in the world? Is it KFC, Starbucks, McDonald's, or Subway? I'm going with Subway. Subway, and that is correct. Well done. 43,000 locations worldwide. There we go. Right when said layout, I knew it wasn't McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> McDonald's is the obvious answer, but that is actually number two. Well, well done, Mike. So, so far in the middle of the game, we have Dan down by one. Everyone else has a point, and it's looking like Dan's going to do another humiliation. How do we feel about that, Dan? I'm going to try and get this next question right, get myself back in the running. <laughs> that's, that's good. Dan, clean shaven today, looking great, back in Charleston. <laughs> How's wow. everything going there in Charleston, Dan? It's going well. Thank you. Fantastic. <laughs> the first time you ever asked me that was my screen name. Well, I, I, I like to let you know I care. Uh, and for all the audience members, in case you're curious, uh, you can check out Dan at uh, The Manhole on Thursday nights. He dances <laughs> at 8 p.m. Uh, bring singles. And, and that will be going to Charleston one of these days. So quiz master. I will. Hey man, I got to, <laughs> I got to check out Dan's dance routine. What can I say? I got to <laughs> the dance routine. Now this brings us to round two, Dan, you got to save yourself here. You got three categories, plant-free vegans. I've got the nuts and eat this. I've got the nuts. I've got the nuts. This is a visual question. Let me pull up our, uh, uh Antonio, put up the visual. Oh, Antonio's a new intern, huh? Oh, always new. Like Keep him guessing. Huh. What nut is this? Is oh, it man. Chinese chestnuts, mongongo, 
co- uh, cola nuts or monkey puzzle nuts? Can you repeat? <laughs> Chinese chestnuts, mongongo nuts, cola nuts, or monkey puzzle nuts? What nut is this? Monkey puzzle nut? Is that That's a, a real nut. That is a real nut. I'm going. <laughs> I'm going with feel choice good? number two. Mongongo nuts? Yeah. Oh my god. Ah, I was gonna say cola nuts. Cola nuts. Oh, everyone's wrong. They are Chinese chestnuts. Well, if it was my question, I would have said Chinese chestnuts. That's what I was like really leaning close to saying, but I was like, "Eh, it doesn't seem like a Chinese nut. I'm strapped you with the SAT question there, Dan. You know what I love to do. And that brings us up to, uh, well, I guess we're just going to figure out our winner since we know who our loser is. And you know what? Real quick, let me just... uh, uh, fix one thing here. Oh, it's someone there, something there we go. <laughs> <laughs> so for for first place, Corey, you've got plant free vegans and uh, eat this. I'll go with uh, eat this. Eat this. Uh, what is the most produced vegetable in the world? Is it peppers, spinach, lettuce, or onion? Mr. Peppers. Where is it? Hmm. Can you pepper? It's pepper, spinach, onions, or what? Lettuce. Or lettuce. I'll go with onions. Onions is correct. Whoa. Well, well done. Fire today. Pull out of my ass, man. Ninety-three million (laughs) metric tons per year. Mike, you a big onions fan? I hate onions, Scott. Mm-hmm. Detest there. them, actually. Well, there, there you go. And Mike, not part of the popular trends as usual. A trendsetter himself. What's the Mr. next big Contrary. vegetable, Mike? The next big vegetable. That's a great question, Conch. Uh, wow. I know this answer. Do you? I, I couldn't my, even. Tell it was you. my uh, food for thought last week. Which is? It's uh, what well, is chickpea a vegetable? Yeah, I don't know. I believe it's a legume. It's a oh, legume. It's a bean. Well, that's one of the big trends for based on chickpea, whole everything like flavors. Yeah, chickpeas, and the other big trend is coffee. Everything mm. coffee, coffee granola bars, coffee everything. I love coffee. So that's great. There's five trillion dollars. Well, who doesn't love coffee? It's delicious. I had about three gallons right before the show. Mike, to defend your lunch in your championship, plant-free vegans is your category. Here it is. If you're a lacto, ovo, polo, pesca vegan, which of these would you not eat? Would you not eat a chicken quesadilla, honey nut Cheerios, a salmon avocado roll, or deviled eggs? I'll repeat that for you. It's a lacto ovo polo pesca vegan. I would not eat a chicken quesadilla. Oh, and no, that is, is incorrect. It, is it salmon avocado? Oh, that's another one incorrect. Unfortunately, yeah. everyone. Yeah, is I mean, guys, when I don't have pressure on me, I knew Dan already lost. So, you know. Exactly. A lacto ovo polo pesca vegan. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, could you explain that? Because you got pesca, which is fish, and pollo, mm-hmm. which is chicken. 
Exactly. Ovo means egg and lacto means milk. You eat all of those things, but you're a vegan, so you don't eat honey. Uh, so the correct answer is honey nut Cheerios. Man, wow. I almost went with that just out of uh, – that was stupid of me. I actually knew that and just decided I was in the mood for a chicken quesadilla. So, well, oh, in, that sounds great. in fairness right. to you, only a crazy person would be a lacto-ovo polo pesca vegan. So, Do you know any personally, Conch? I probably have been one at some point in my life. So, uh, yeah, I guess so. All right. Paul is, uh, he's doing his thing. He's right behind you. Yeah. <laughs> so that leads us to the loser circle. Dan, what do we got here? Um, well, I have two packages. Wow. Really? I don't know what the second one is. So let's just open one and see what happens. <laughs> um, right, well, open Bob Roland making an appearance, everybody. Let's get a round of applause for Bob Roland. <laughs> We'd love to have him on as a contestant. If it happens to be not the one you sent, then game over. You got to eat whatever's inside. I don't care if it's a pair of shoes or (laughs) drinking what. What's it going to be, Dan? What are we eating? Scorpions. Wow. Let's see it. Oh, it's dried scorpions. I don't know if I could do this one. You're going to do great. They're delicious. <laughs> I'm going to, I got to actually go get some ketchup. Uh, some ketchup for the scorpions. Why not? The crowd doesn't like it, but I'll allow it. The judges say it's okay. I'm, I'm like, oh my God, I can't eat this. I'm not doing it. I don't Damn. care if I'm kicked off the show. I can't eat it. I just can't do it. I don't, oh, I don't know what to tell you. I will not eat this thing. Let's take a look at it. Let's see what you're refusing it to eat. It looks like it's going to straight up like come out and bite me. It's. I guarantee it's dead. You'll be fine. I'm sorry. I can't do it, guys. I refuse to eat this. No, you don't. I'm not eating the black scorpion. Man, those taste like chocolate. What are you talking about? I can't eat this thing. Something in my head tells me that... I it's just a, it's a chocolate conscious trapping <laughs> and it's a chocolate covered marshmallow. It yeah, it's, like it's not real, except a it chocolate is covered marshmallow. <laughs> Mike, I'm not four years old out at the sandbar outside the house. <laughs> you know, a little prank here. I think we got this covered. Dan, what's in the second package then? I'll look at the second package. Let's see what let's see what we got here. The second package feels Almost water bottle-esque. I don't know if I sent those to you. Miguel, did we send a water bottle-esque thing to Dan? Miguel, Antonio, how many interns are there over there? Uh, one for every job. You have no clue how much work goes into the production of this show. I this really is don't. A- me whipping cream. Thanks, Conch. I'll eat this. Oh, that was for when you were supposed to get pied in the face. You already did that. Already All right. That. But you know what? Uh, I was willing Miguel to go getting number two, so... Unfortunately, well, not all the prizes for last place need to be bad. This happens to be. Well, here we go. In that case, I have to bring in a serious moment here. Unfortunately, here at Win Mike Rollins Lunch, we are contractually obligated by Lodell.com to do a punishment every week. Uh, we're actually a religious organization. So if we don't do this, our God will strike us down. Uh, so in that case, I'm going to have to step in for you and do one more bite of this guy. 
but you're going to get it bad next week, Dan. I'm going to tell you what. There we go. This is for Dan. Mm. Mm. Oh, my God. So delicious. Conch, let me just tell you, light whipped topping tastes like shit. Well, there you go. Well, sweet suit Dan only only goes hard on regular stuff. Yeah, this is like nothing like regular whipped cream. It's honestly awful. I'll tell you what, for your humiliation, stick it in your pants and fill up your pants with whipped cream. You'd love go. to see that, Kyle. <laughs> the crowd would too, absolutely. <laughs> oh, we, we got our man Anthony coming on here in a minute. Well, there you go. With that, this has been Win Mike Rowland's Lunch. Dan's going to do a double humiliation next week. And I'm going to go ice down my mouth. Thanks for coming on as always, Quizmaster Sean. You're the man. Dan, Corey, Mike, we'll enjoy week. the show. Boom, baby. Guys, we have Anthony Dorman coming on, the one and only. I'm pumped because he's got, I, I feel like he's a modern day Iron Man. So without further ado, let's get him on here. Anthony, what's going on? Thanks for joining us. Doing well. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure, man. I'm really pumped to talk to you because for one, I I was doing some homework on what you're up to. And to be honest, I didn't understand half of it. That's why I'm so excited because it seems like you're up to some groundbreaking stuff that's above all of our heads. And I'm really pumped to hear about it. Connected care, the, the, the new virtual care industry. And just to just show you how ambitious we are, I've got my, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh wow! That, what is that? Hard backdrop. My wife Ooh. is very upset about the fact that I put this picture in my office. <laughs> I, Anthony, that's an incredible picture. That is really cool. I love Braveheart. Well, you better have one if you want to be an entrepreneur. I'll tell you that. I'm going to get one right when we get off here. Now, clearly. <laughs> so, man, what's been going on? You're a father of five. You're inventing things by the second. It seems like. What? How have you been keeping sane throughout the pandemic? Uh, it's tough. I mean, you know, we're in an essential business and because we deal with connected care and technology, everybody's used to being on zoom calls and working on team platforms. And so it was a natural for us to be able to make the adjustments that we needed to, you know, we went into some AB shifts. We had 50% staff on site, 50% staff working from home. Um, we were concerned about the well-being of our staff, so we actually used our smart health hubs and started surveying and, and doing health surveys and screening vitals like blood oxygen levels and temperature of our staff before they would come into the office. So we've done a lot of things to try to reduce the spread. Wow. And are all of your employees currently working from home? Uh, about We run about 50-50 shifts. So we've We've got about 50,000 square feet here in southern New Mexico at our headquarters. Uh, we've got the 10th, 9th, 8th floor, half the 7th, and then a two-story building next door. So we've, you know, repositioned everybody to be extensively distanced, and then we run A-B shifts, so half are on-site, half are remote. Wow. And Anthony, what would you say with that's the biggest challenge from being able, from a leadership perspective, being able to manage some people that are working from home while others are there at the office? You know, I've read these studies that talk about how people are very efficient when they work from home. 
Um, I'll tell you the truth after experiencing it, you know, for so much of this year. I think the most difficult thing is to maintain the level of urgency and to be able to just kind of hold the atmosphere of the culture that you create inside of a company. There's something synergistically that occurs when people get into each other's space. And I don't think that, you know, you get the same level of intensity and the same level of emotion when you're dealing with people over video transmissions. Just don't. Yeah, I get that for creativity. The one thing I think, um, you know, for us at least, I feel like I'm working like 20 hours a day or at least while I'm awake, as soon as I wake up till as soon as I go to sleep, yeah. I feel like I'm on the computer. I mean, there's nothing else to do. I'd rather just bury myself in work. That's the only positive thing. You Because you just feel like you're just connected all the time? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, we have a lot of programmers. I think a lot of, you know, a lot of the people that are on software development, they like to get their headphones on, kind of isolate. They keep a dark room. The lights are always off. So I think they really enjoy it. And, and in a lot of ways, um, you know, they want to be distraction free and focused. So, you know, for some of those individuals, I think we might see increased production. Yeah. Yeah. So, exactly. Anthony, do you think coming out of the pandemic, will you shift your protocol with people working from home versus having to come in the office? How does that look like to you? Absolutely not. I'm bringing them in. Okay. Love that. Everyone's coming back. And once they're all together and that synergy, you know, and that atmosphere is created, they, they really, you know, it, it's nice to be able to, especially if you're a programmer, to be at home in your pajamas or at least from pajamas from the, the bottom down, right? Right. So absolutely. And there's something <laughs> yeah. about being around people all day. I think the energy and, you know, I've, I've talked to some friends that are like, I never want to go back to work. I like being around people. And yeah. I think I, I get there's some natural introverts that, you know, there's some tech guys that prefer just getting their headphones glued in, but there's something about gravitating around energy with humans. Yeah, I totally agree. Absolutely agree. Um, and, I think, it, go ahead. I was going to say, so when the pandemic first hit back in March, what what was your first thought and like, what exactly, take us through that and what you did. Uh, my first thought was what the hell is going on? <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess in, ter in terms of the workplace. No, I know. Um, you know, it, we, we just adjusted on a dime. I mean, as soon as the notion of lockdowns was introduced, um, I mean, it was within 24 hours. Uh, we were developing protocols, pre-screen our employees at home, went to the AB shift. And it, it, again, it, it was just such a natural for us. And, you know, we picked up a, and we picked up press because we were because we deal with patients and we deal with people that are at risk and we're monitoring and surveying uh, like the elderly population and people with comorbidities who are at risk uh, more than others for COVID infection. Right. It was so easy for us to just take those solutions and plug them in immediately for our employees to be able to have better support and oversight for them. It was just, we, did, we had no interruption. Now it, it has affected other parts of our business. Um, our, we have a lot of uh, what we call master care partners in the field and they're 
they're basically serving patients and referral sources from hospitals to doctors to medical equipment companies, uh, home health and private duty home care providers. And so a lot of their business is based on personal networking, uh, accessing these businesses and practices in and out of assisted living and independent living communities. And they do a lot of uh, business development at health fairs and, and different health events. And so all of a sudden, all of that was shut down. Right. And we had to figure out, you know, how to get that team that isn't used to working virtually and with technology to start looking at a new approach for how they'd access and support the marketplace. Right. Mm. That makes a lot so of sense. I think that required the biggest pivot on our end. Interesting. Yeah. And Anthony, before we dive into it, because I know we're all fascinated to hear about what your company does on the day to day and what the scope of healthcare with interactive technology looks like. What can you go over when you realized that you had a knack for inventing? Like, was this something you were born with? Well, I mean, I had side businesses from the time I was a, a teenager. I mean, you know, 15 and 16, I was always doing something on the side. Um, you know, it's, it started at 12 as a paper boy, right? Uh, then I was in the security business uh, when I was a teen. And, you know, you always work for a company and then everybody was doing side deals and side installations on the side. I had a landscaping business. Um, but I liked this. I, I liked the technology and security industry because it got into all kinds of um, technology inside of the home. Um, it wasn't just security, but, it, you know, I was coming into it at the evolution of um, at least the early stages and concepts for smart home and home automation. And so I was always intrigued with that. And it was a recurring revenue business model. So, you know, people got some equipment and then paid a service fee. And it didn't matter whether the stock market was up or the stock market was down. People perceived what we were offering as kind of critical services. And so it, it was very stable. Now, I got into, as a young entrepreneur, I was attending um, different business seminars and things, things that were related to business planning, team building, and, you know, the master skill, I think, is being able to capitalize a business. And that's where most entrepreneurs struggle. And so, you know, I ended up attending a seminar and then doing so well in it um, that all of a sudden I was running a security business, hosting a radio show twice a week in Los Angeles, recruiting people to my LA office to recruit them for the seminar, which I ultimately was teaching at for about eight years. So, you know, I've had, and that was a unique experience because there were tens of thousands of other people that paid a lot of money, go through this week long entrepreneurial intensive. And it was business planning and marketing and team building and, you know, kind of those big hurdles, like I need to get the money and I need some of the assets and, and professionals and team members to be able to attract the money but I don't have the money to pay them. So how do I pull all of this stuff together and, and make it work? And so it was a lot of hard skill training. Well, through that, you blink eight years go by and next thing you know, you've had some kind of interaction, conversation or consulting with 30,000 entrepreneurs. And uh, I can't stress enough, I think it's really good for people to get into some of these learning environments. There's so much you get 
at a university level and your network that you develop there, you know, their future judges and senators and entrepreneurs and CEOs. But there are a lot of ways that people very quickly can get access to information and mentorship. And, uh, and it's always about getting into fertile environments where you can expand your address book contacts because it's, it's all about people. All about sure. people. Relationships, right? Relationships is everything. And Anthony, would you say that led to, was there an aha moment when electronic caregiver came to fruition? How did, when did you know that that was coming about? You know, I, I had not been a product inventor. I had been an inventor of business models, but I hadn't been a product inventor. So I was with a guy in the seminar business uh, in the late 90s, and he said, why don't you, he, he was a big guy in multi-level marketing. And I was always resistant and hiding from MLM people because they all wanted to come to our seminar and infiltrate and dominate. And, you know, people paid a lot of money to be there. They were diversifying income. And so these groups would go crazy. And I was always hiding from them. But he said, you know what, wouldn't it be faster if you looked at like an MLM model and you made kind of a plug and play security solution and took that out to market? And I don't know what it was, but at the end of the 90s, that stuck with me. And I thought, you know, I don't want to do multi-level, but there are other direct sales uh, models where if I could eliminate the downtime and the work of installation and get into something that was more kind of plug and go, you know, there might be a model here. Well, I embarked on this adventure, business plan, product specification, the first time learning to engineer a product, which I'd never done before. A lot of trial and error, blew a lot of money doing it wrong. But ultimately, we created a plug and go professionally monitored system. We had two factories going in China. We were marketing through retailers. Some of you guys may not have, may not be familiar with now because in the downturn of 08 and 09, they went out of business. But we were marketing through Circuit City, CompUSA, Home Depot, wow. uh, Prize Electronics, uh, Micro Center. And we had a really good run and we had to make an adjustment when suddenly the market imploded and CompUSA was our biggest national account, biggest source of sales production. And suddenly they were gone. We just made the leap to Circuit City and we said, are you sure you're stable? Oh, yeah. The only store closings are the old footprint. We're opening stores. We got three quarters of a billion in cash we're infusing into, you know, this new expansion. Five months after we launched with them, they went bankrupt, closed their doors, it was gone. I remember that. Oh, man. So around that time, I had created a relationship with a great mentor who owns a big national monitoring and emergency response call center. And he kept telling me, you really need to look at this, this like elder care market and look at putting some new technology. And I thought, look, I don't want to be life alert. Right. I don't want to I sell medical alerts when somebody that's a customer says, hey, do you have something for my mom? But it's not an area I want to focus. And he kept coming back and saying, look, we have a unbelievable um, population size in older adults that need assistance. And it's going to double in size. And if you look at the number of people that have chronic illnesses in America that could use some help, you know, supporting how they manage their disease process. If you did this and did this well, 
I think this is like the birth of the internet in the security space. I think getting into connected care at home is it. So he pushed me on that for about two years. And the numbers and the opportunities when I started researching became pretty compelling. So I decided, all right, 2009, we're setting up a new company just for this space. I spent, you know, the first, well, I spent all the remainder of 2009 from, I think I set up this company in February, just researching. In 2010, I was uh, starting to build a little bit of a backend platform and, uh, you know, surveying different products that were available. And then in 2011, I found out right down the street that the university had this motion analysis lab and they were suiting people up with body markers and collecting all this movement and dimensional data, but they were saying, we can identify when somebody has an increasing risk of fall or injury before they actually have the injury. And they said, we think this will go a long way to prevention. So, I got to thinking, wouldn't it be great if we had clinical grade assessment technology and we could scale it down in a plug and go configuration and start transforming the home into kind of a virtual care and monitoring system for healthcare, for population health, not just elder care. So that's kind of how it started. Now you blink from there to here and you start realizing Wow. Okay. So to prove this, we have to build our own lab, organize hundreds of health providers, screen thousands of patients, start introducing wearable technology and different visual sensing, collecting parallel data sets and figure out how do we scale something down like this? And then you have to do peer reviews and scientific studies because the health industry is not going to buy it unless you can prove the efficacy of what you're creating. Then you get to a point where you realize, geez, we got to connect in vitals and we've got to be able to add other devices. And then we've got to integrate with healthcare, you know, health record systems and be able to get data integrated into the health systems. And then you look at, you know, privacy and security and it comes all of a sudden it comes back to we need a user interface. I mean, like think about people being medicated and pain on the other side of procedures, people that are older that have declining physical and mental acuity. You're trying to scale something that can do the work of people you can't afford to place for a mass populace on a global basis. And that's when we got into this whole virtual caregiving system. Could wow. we have a 3D virtual health agent as a caregiver that could interact with voice or touch that would be so compelling that we would break through the problems that companies making apps have, which is people can't figure it out, they get frustrated, tiny screens are difficult to use. So utilization and retention is a nightmare for these companies. And I said, let's build something so captivating that the idea somebody would take this service away would have people screaming and crying because it's such an incredible a new experience with how human beings engage with technology. So that's wow. pretty wordy, but <laughs> pretty amazing though. 
Anthony, yeah. could you take us through like a proto, like a prototypical type of customer for you at the moment? What that looks like with somebody with a chronic illness when they're first using your service? How how that works with plugging them in? Sure. So, first of all, we have a couple. You know, we've expanded product lines, right? What we started with was a small mobile device and a wrist pendant that gave them emergency response, but their little pocket mobile device was programmed to remind them when to take their medications or check their vitals. And there was a button they could press and hold on that device that connects to a physician 24 hours a day. So all contained in this monthly fee, we're helping them resolve some of their challenges. And I'll give you the, one of the big ones. So if you look at right now, we got about 133 million people in the US with a chronic illness. 80% have two or more, right? And of that group, 50% of all the treatment failures occur because they don't adhere to the treatment plan. And that happens for a lot of different reasons. Sometimes people don't like the way their medications make them feel. Very often we're dealing with older adults and there might be just you know a little memory loss. And so they forget. And even just adults in their 30s and 40s will take a blood pressure med and then five minutes later, look at the bottle on the counter and say, I don't know if I took it or not. And they'll double dose, right? Oh, so that, yeah. that happens to me daily. And I'm so, only 31. <laughs> there you go. So, and, and then, you know, when, it, when you look at the older population, we've got about 48 million people are 65 and older. And they have you know, increasing needs for health support. They consume the majority of our pharmaceuticals and they, um, they're they at a high risk for fall. You know, you used to think, well, I want to get away from falling and focus on supporting them to help unpack their treatment plan every day. And if we have them, you know, difficulty with getting them to follow through on their treatment plan, they're not responding to a reminder, let's get apps put apps into the hands of the family caregivers and the care support team, the stakeholders around this patient. And so when you think about what I just said, emergency response, different notifications to different family caregivers, and then being able to manage and, and modify and update care plan reminders in real time is a big job. When we, so we have had a lot of success with that sold through resellers, that's our private pay solution. Well, now Medicare is reimbursing for what's called remote patient monitoring. And that's when you're collecting uh, vitals and key data throughout the month. Because a big problem for the chronically ill is, you know, people get used to dealing with certain symptoms and discomforts and they stop reporting. And they're horrible about reliably following through on things like tracking blood sugar, blood pressure, or pulse oximetry, their blood oxygen levels, uh, or, or, you know, exercising their lung capacity with a spirometer. And they'll sit outside a doctor's office. And you got to think, you know, the doctor sees them periodically and opens up a health file. And they're only with the, that patient maybe seven or 10 minutes. And there's some review and there's some questions. And usually the patient has done things like this. They're in the parking lot filling out the last month of blood pressure readings. Doctor has no idea if that's accurate, right? Then they come in and in that short engagement after an hour of waiting in a waiting room or more, they forget 
to report things that they're experiencing, or they're not good at being able to articulate these things. So we put this smart health hub in and the health, it, the health hub is interactive and it has voice technology and we push surveys. So are you having head pain? Are you having chest pain? Are you having abdominal pain? Things associated with their care plan and condition. And if they answer yes, when they should answer no, it opens up an instant connection to a 24-7 care team. It also reminds them to take their vitals, not just take their medications. And they have to tap a button and acknowledge the reminder. Time to check your blood pressure. Time to check step on the weight scale. Time to check your blood sugar. If they don't hit that button and respond to it, we engage in real time. If they acknowledge it, our system says, all right, they're going to follow through. But if we don't, in a short period of time, see them take the reading, then we engage them again. And that's where the technology alone can't do it all. you got to have a personal engagement because some of what we do is helping them through psychological issues and other reasons why they're resisting following through on their treatment plan. It takes live engagement and increased engagement. Now, if they take the reading, ah, tap it. I hear my reminder. I take my reading. They're following through. But all of a sudden, they've got plummeting blood sugar. Uh, or plummeting blood pressure, then immediately that doctor gets a notification, the care team gets notified, the nurse triage team comes through the box and begins to, you know, further survey what their conditions and symptoms are, and everything's happening in real time. So what I just described here is the ability to continually monitor the patient, to be able to have accountability on the follow-through, to get early identification of health decline and then be able to tweak the treatment plan or the medication dosage to get them back on track, all happening in real time, right? So it's better coordination. Um, it's a better path towards, now we're starting to step into prevention, right? So these are the things that reduce mortalities and additional morbidities and complications downstream. So That's Anthony, that, that's fascinating. With that being said, what comes to mind for me is the future. When you look at even hospice care in the last few decades of when people have chronic illnesses, they're close to death. And, you know, I've seen this with grandparents over the years. And it's one of those things where I ask myself, do you see the future of that world being way more interactive in the way of somebody being able to have much more of a quality of life? when they're in that stage? Well, absolutely. I mean, if you can be, if you can help people on an educational, from, from the educational side, because some of this is education and some of it is motivation and some of it is data monitoring and some of it is, you know, responding to actionable data faster. And all of that reduces mortalities and increases health outcomes. A lot of that through improved treatment adherence, coupled with early identification, all tied to better delegation of communication and relevant information to the key stakeholders, right? And I think when you look at what's being developed in the marketplace, um, you know, that kind of brings us to Addison. Addison's our virtual caregiver, right? And it's, um, it takes our remote patient monitoring to a whole new level. Now I have something that engages you like a human that has visual analytics. 
I can remind you to take a medication and then I can monitor if you're consuming the medication and spot signs of overdosing or underdosing or evidence of an adverse drug reaction later. Could be slow awesome. speech, could be something we pick up with facial recognition, could be change in decision speed, could be postural instability. So all of a sudden now I can begin to capture more information. Um, and that, you know, when you design something like this, people always talk about human-centered design. And then everything I see looks like it's a social media mobile app design more than it's about human-centered design, right? So we wanted to, we wanted to create this companion. Now that's tricky. If it's, you know, too flat, TD, too cartoonish, no respect. If it looks like a Maya from uh, uh, Magic Leap, you know, or one of these new Samsung characters, it's like being in the haunted house at Disneyland. You, it feels invasive and you're afraid of it because its eyes are, are, you know, tracking you around and it looks like you're being observed by a real person. Right. So you have to find this sweet spot. I call this the Disney Pixar sweet spot. This thing has to be so disarming and yet it still has to have the illusion of life and real intelligence coupled with empathy and compassion. And then there are psychological layers to it. Um, some of these things are, you know, if it's Valentine's Day and she's on the screen or she's got a, you know, something associated with the holiday and the holiday that you celebrate. And when she shows up on her scene, she's actually in a 3D environment. So you look at her and she's in her living room or she's coming to you from her kitchen or you say, hey, Addison, and she's on the screen watering her plants. So she has mm -hmm. all these lifelike activities as though she has her own world and her own home and her own life. And then we have what we call atmospheric mirroring. So if it's cloudy outside, you notice in her scene, it's cloudy outside her windows snowing outside her windows, it's snowing outside your windows. If it gets below, you know, 40 degrees, her fire's on. When your lights are on because it's dark, her lights are on the scene. Yeah, so, you, you know, you match up all of these things um, to be able to create this really cool experience. And then, you know, she is able to do things like now interact and do mental health routines and mental health surveys and to be able to get you to kind of, you know, chat about things that you're feeling and experiencing, whether that's in an emotional and psychological level or whether you're reporting physical conditions or changes. And then so Anthony, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just want, this is kind of like the movie I Robot from like a decade ago with Will Smith. I'm envisioning uh, literally that virtually when you, when you mention Addison, this is basically somebody having somebody else for companionship, for keeping an eye on them and triggering if something really goes wrong. Do you have a connectivity system where an ambulance is called if someone isn't sure. responsive, things like that? Yeah, all of our systems are tied to care team networks, physician on demand, 24-7 emergency response. And with Addison, you can call out, you need help and she'll make the connection. And you can also, you also always have a backup, you know, pendant somewhere in case you, you have an emergency and you, you can't call out. Yeah, and, I, 
I and love it, how relatable it is. I, and I just, and it has the ability to demonstrate, right? So we're seeing cool stuff like uh, new, you know, mobile, you know, 3D imaging equipment, right? It's mm -hmm. all over social media right now. As the industry develops things that need demonstration, where you want to be able to demonstrate how to use a device, but also observe that it's being properly used. If you want to be able to support your patient, but your patient's on at-home hemodialysis and your spouse is trying to help hook you up and there's a question, you can simply ask for support from the virtual caregiver and get that additional support and education. And then if you need third-party connectivity, you just ask for it. You know how a lot of products out there, you people are looking online for an 800 number, rifling through a door for a manual. Uh, here you just say, Hey, Addison, support, and she connects you to 24-7 live support. It's just re seamless and easy and really fun to deal with. That's awesome. That, that's I mean, incredible, just, Anthony. Wow. Yeah, just in terms of like my own grandparents, I know uh, my grandma right now, she's just, she, you know, she lost her husband years ago, my grandfather, mm -hmm. and she's very lonely. And obviously during COVID, and I love how relatable your technology is to make someone feel like there's actually company and there's someone there as well. I think that's so interesting and, and all really amazing. Our, all our systems help facilitate a connection to a live person when needed right. too, in a multitude of different ways. Yeah. And, you know, people that are on our services, we have a whole team that does nothing but call people like your grandmother. And they're expecting this is a cell job. We're asking for referrals. or, And it's really people that are just like them that call up and say, I'm just calling to find out how are you doing? That's awesome. You know, are you having problems with reimbursements from your insurance? Do you have food? Are you afraid to go out? How's your refrigerator look? Did you know there's delivery services? You know, yeah, I was just going to say, you're, I was just going to pivot to say, you're on the right end. Yes. And we we'll go. deliver the food that's needed. <laughs> so as long as you stay customer and patient centric and can stay capitalized, you'll figure it out. I mean, Anthony, what comes to mind here, loser. Teladoc is going to be calling, if they haven't already, I mean, with where that company's heading, you see, even my old, my former doctor went to concierge model himself, leaving his yep. practice and with internal medicine. And I just think the writings on the wall, if you haven't already been hit up by some of these big players, is that a part of your objective down the road? Or are you looking to build this out more over the next few years? We have got um, partners that we're working with and negotiating on prospective joint venture deals for international markets. We have we have 15 years of, of designs for where we want Addison to go. And so, you know, the goal would be in a best case scenario, we'll grow our volume over the next couple of years, hopefully get it postured to be able to do a public underwriting help move some of our shareholders out while accessing an ocean of new resources and then open up a hundred countries. And then you'll start to see Addison diversify into other human engagements. She'll be doing intake and, you know, interviews and exit interviews and counseling and HR. Um, so things outside of health, a whole new dimension of virtual assistant at home, uh, a new interface for security and access control, how you interact with mobile and shop. Um, and then we have 
I mean, the next five years, we'll be doing a lot on the healthcare side. We've got an Addison, not just for home, but we have an Addison to help manage, um, you know, and, and carry some of the burden of supporting patients at hospital bedsides, how a patient is intaked into a hospital, managed at bedside, educated in the discharge process, and then supported at home. We have a, a kiosk that does, you know, what would normally take a half a million dollars worth of equipment for a few thousand dollars to digitize physical therapy centers and get them granular data on rates of recovery and gait anomalies and all kinds of things that really empower these providers. And it's the same thing at the practice level. So we got a big, big long-term vision. I, man, I love your ambition and how high you set the bar. I mean, we're in food delivery and I'm wondering, like, we're going to have to get into cloning or something after talking to you. It's unbelievable. <laughs> uh, and, and Anthony, what would you, I mean, I, what I sensed early on, you have confidence and conviction. Like no one we've even had on here yet. I'm asking you when it comes to somebody wanting to start their own business, what's one piece mm. of advice you would give them if they're a bit hesitant? Um. Look, I think, you know, we used to have this slogan in the seminar business that like success was kind of like a learned behavior. I really do think that there are some inherent traits. I mean, you have to really be a diehard in any business. I mean, the, the first couple years are pretty tough. And so there's this, this you know, one caution I want to give. The first two years, 80% of them are gone. And by the time you get another eight or nine years out, 80% of what's left, you know, the 80% of the 20% left over is now gone, right? It's, it's a hard game. Now, a lot of that is an, a, a lack of skill set. Um, people don't have a lot of great mentors in their lives. A lot of times they get pulled down by their own family members and very discouraged because they don't know how to support them because we don't teach entrepreneurialism in school. We would have people that were graduating Harvard with MBAs. They couldn't sit down and map out a business plan and identify all of the different components and get the right sequence of steps. They don't know how to put together a capital plan and raise the money. You know, they, they, they'll run around to venture capital firms, but if, you, if, if a thousand deals go to a venture capital firm, I mean, I think that the, I think the last time I looked at a statistic, it was like 0.75% of deals, right? So let's just say one in a thousand. What happens to the other 999 entrepreneurs that need capital? So if you were to say, what's the one thing that's the most important thing? You know, planning is important. Team building is important and setting expectations and making sure that you've postured your team to pretty much self-eliminate if they don't deliver. You know, I always say one of the master skills is you better get your heart out of the way and fire faster when people aren't producing. But truly the master skill is knowing how to raise capital and how to manage that capital. And no matter what you think, it's gonna cost 10 times more than you thought, right? Now, then Silicon Valley was wrong about us. They said, look, if you're going to build a platform, you know, as a service, run half a decade or more of clinical research with a lab you build and deploy, launch three products and build a virtual caregiver with 
AI and visual sensing and edge computing and 3D animation. You just spend three to 500 million, you're never gonna get there. I said yeah. we do it 50 to 70, we're 70 on the nose and we've done all that and a whole bunch more. So, but <laughs> you're usually way wrong. People are afraid to talk about the capital and they don't know how to get the capital. So they try to figure out how do I like bootstrap this whole thing, take out a second on my home, sell off a few assets. And the next thing you know, they're, they're running all over the place because they're trying to be all things to the business. They should have put a capital plan together, figured out how to be able to manage and control their destiny, get the proper amount of capital in, including money for mistakes, money for staff, somebody to answer the phone, somebody to put your contracts together, somebody to get your graphics and your marketing, have an ad budget to cover the utilities, to cover legal fees, to cover you know uh, travel, to cover insurance, just all of the things you need, your inventory. And you need to be able to have that in the bank to cover two years of operations before you start. Now there's some packaging you do along the way, but I think if people will find a good mentor to help them figure out how do I identify truly, just put my fear aside, how much money is this really going to take, including for some mistakes, because we're all going to make mistakes. And how do I put a capital plan together and start raising that money with the least amount of initial spend possible so I can get it in the bank and get that year and a half or two years of operating money out there before I actually ramp up and get going. That's mm. it's tough. Yeah, and that's coming from you, that's great advice with how much you've had to do to build and go down different directions. I think a lot of times people really don't understand what's entailed with just getting across the starting line to even have yeah. a chance of success. So that's really enlightening, Anthony. I appreciate that. Before we have you off here, being in the food business and all, we've got to ask you a couple of food questions. What are okay. you, have you been? Yeah, have you been ordering delivery or pickup at all throughout the pandemic? You know, since this COVID lockdown, my wife doesn't go to the store anymore. I mean, everything's Instacart. Every time I turn around, there's stuff piled up on this bench outside the front door, and the you know the security <laughs> doorbell's going off. Um, and then we do have a lot of food delivery, and I don't know what she uses, but she's on a couple different apps and always having restaurant deliveries, or you know, the kids are having fast food and the junk they're not supposed to eat brought in. But yeah, all the time. And Anthony, do you have a, a go-to restaurant? I know you live in El Paso. Do you have a favorite spot there and a favorite in down in Las Cruces? You know, so so I, there's a place here that I always take people when they come to Southern New Mexico. It's in the, the downtown square, which is Old Mesilla. And oh, if yeah. you watch yeah. 500 Westerns, I mean, 300 of them talk about Old Mesilla. The <laughs> predecessor to the Pony Express is there. There's a gift shop that was the courthouse originally where they tried Billy the Kid to be hung and he escaped, you know. And they've got this classic uh, uh, double eagle haunted restaurant. And is uh, it, they have Is it called Double Eagle? Double Eagle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were one yeah. of our clients. Oh, they have this, you know, they have this amazing, uh, they have this amazing bar with this old, you know, antique uh, pieces that were brought in from other places. Yeah. Uh, great upscale menu, the aged steak. And then, you know, you can take people into the scary rooms. And that was our <laughs> first client. First in Las Cruces. 
In Las Cruces. Really fantastic. Anthony, yeah. Corey and I actually brought donuts and pizza to your office in Las Cruces a couple summers ago. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. We'll never forget that because you were the biggest building we saw in town. So we're like, oh, let's stop by and say what's up with some donuts and pizza. Literally, <laughs> every single office you had. that Wells Fargo sign down and putting our electronic caregivers. I, that's funny you say that. That's, that's how I, that's how I visualize Because um, I'm a steak guy, uh, Cafe Central downtown in El Paso is amazing. Oh, man. Maybe that's we'll have to go there work. together when we come I'm in town. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, the napkins on the lap, the wine selections, they've got the cigar on the patio and all of these, you know, Brazilian, you know, Chilean sea bass and wow. uh, great steaks and royal treatment, valet out front. It's an incredible thing to try. Sounds amazing. Yeah. It's and Anthony, what would be your last meal on earth, death row meal? Uh, I'd probably put a filet mignon on top of my mother's manicotti. <laughs> and then I would have my wife's uh, chimichurri salad next to it and somewhere a bowl filled with Butterfingers and Snickers bars. That's awesome. Man, I love your conviction, like, Anthony. You yeah. just know what you like. I was going to say, that was the quickest and most detailed answer we've had yet, I think. <laughs> it's amazing. This guy yeah. knows what he likes. He knows what he wants. And Anthony, for our viewers, where could everybody find your company if they want to look you up? electroniccaregiver.com will get you everywhere that you need to go to learn about us. You heard Amazing. it from him. Anthony, we really appreciate the time and uh, would love to meet you next time we come to your neck of the woods. Uh, you got to come by and uh, come up for a tour. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we've always got a lot of great show and tell. Can't wait Thanks to so see you, how the future holds for electronic caregiver. It's clear the sky isn't even the limit. I'd say Mars or Pluto probably are for you. Well, we'll see if I can get there yeah. with Elon and Addison. Now we're talking. <laughs> well, thanks again, Anthony. Stay healthy and have well, a great you. rest of your day. Thank take you, care, Dan and Corey. Good to, good to meet you both. Absolutely. Thank so, you, guys. Take care, buddy. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. So, yeah, guys, that was a lot of fun. Anthony yeah, is awesome. unbelievable. Oh, man. Imagine going to, like, have an idle time and just brainstorming like that. Like, oh, let's uh, figure out a virtual care assistant for people with chronic diseases. Like, the way he iterated to get to that point yeah. – it, it's just he's a next level thinker, clearly. Yeah. It's cool. Dan, what's up? In Las Cruces. Yeah. It's cool. Corey and I know all their employees. Uh, Seriously, though. No, it, it really is just spot on with what he's saying. Because uh, my grandma had, who passed away, she literally had the, uh, the other company he was talking about. I forget what it's called, but the Lifeline. And she just didn't want to wear it because it was so ugly and like she's just like very materialistic person and she wouldn't wear it. And she ended up falling and literally passing away. And I feel like what he's got going on is just brilliant. It is. And yeah, he's got offices in El Paso, Las Cruces, and uh, we'll have to, I'll make sure to send his assistant some low Dell stuff for them so we can get them rocking with us. But that was really cool. They, he's clearly talk about hitting the right place at the right time. You got to think this pandemic has expedited that model on a whole nother level. Seriously. Sounds like a perfect integration for us when he's oh. talking about someone just says, hey, order me food. Yeah, low dough. Low, low dough. <laughs> Seriously, I, like I, I really think that's a niche in itself for sure. When you think of the old, the older generation. Yeah, they're not people. ordering online. They're not done. Not at all. Apps. But they what? all love, they love pizza delivery. They love food delivery. Yeah. So there we go. Well, folks, that was a great episode there. And 
I'm pretty, I'm now I'm kind of spilling steak, although I had a little bit yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I'm starving. I mean, what are you guys doing for dinner tonight? That's Hello, Fresh. Hello, Fresh. Yeah, I'm going to order something. I yeah. don't know. Yeah, I don't know. what. Oh, I think my mom might be making cutlets. Ooh. The butlets, Corey. She's uh, jealous. Later. She's taking right, over Jeff's job. You- she has for tonight. So, wow. but good stuff, buddy. Let's, uh, I guess I'll talk to you later and enjoy that food tonight. That was oh, a yeah, dominant one. Till next week. Strapped in the trenches, making moves going all out. Every day handle business. You know that the hustle don't stop. Got my team, let's get it. Reviewing books and talk stocks. Steady keep it moving. So you gon' wanna tune in. Get Lowdown, it's an app. Get local food on demand. Delivery right to your home. Everything in the palm of your hand. Took hard work and dedication. Come through, join the conversation. This is history up in the making. We just wanna be an inspiration. Hey, let's go.